Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Fires here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, that happened. We I get we were we confirmed it, we saw it with our eyes. For better or for worse. Yeah. Like just if if you if you just needed any further, you know, confirmation or whatever that uh, nothing about this team makes any sense, and the results on any given week are uh, basically random. Uh, You're starting to yeah. sound like, uh, what is it, uh, Drew Carey? Whose line? You ever watch Whose Line? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, everything's made up in the point, well, the points do matter in football, unfortunately, <laughs> for Rice, but, uh, Pass that yeah. <laughs> That's what it kind I mean, of feels like. At this point, I feel like this team... Nothing surprises me at this point. Like, could they lose out and go three and nine? Sure, they could. Could they win out and go seven and five? Uh, unlikely, but you know, at this point, they could win any of those games. None of them is likely to be very pretty, and it's not like they win all of them. But hey, like, I don't know. This team beat UAB and hung with Arkansas for three quarters, and on the flip side, it lost to a North Texas team that had not beaten an FBS team to this point. So, um, since, since UTEP last year and Rice, so yeah, uh, to put things in a nerdy format for our Rice audience, like we're basically like rolling a D20 with this team every week, and there are no like, like good teams <laughs> have a really solid like modifier, like a bonus on that D20. So, or even if they you know roll a natural one, it's like, uh, you know, okay, well, that's still a 13, and you might get by with that, but like, uh, no, this is just like a flat D20, right roll for rice like it's it's whatever it comes up is how it gets like sometimes you get that critical hit like last week against uab and sometimes it comes up with that one and you lose to north texas and See, th- this is funny because I- i've never played D, but i've always been co- like very interested i thought it would be very very entertaining especially if you get the right person uh, telling the story and whatnot uh but as someone who has now experienced this rice football season uh, maybe it's too close of a corollary and that'll be bad for my health. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, um, if, we, if we're just going further here, it's like you've decided that your um, your wizard is going to roll all of your strength checks for your party. And um, he's got that eight strength so- score. And so that's a, it's just a minus one modifier on that D20. And so if you roll a... You know, if you roll like a four, then uh, you're not going to do great. Now, so, what, do you, uh, what do you need to roll if you're Rice to keep your quarterback healthy for an entire game? <laughs> um, that seems to be a case of whichever, uh, like, grand football dungeon master is running this 2021 season um, has just decided that he does not like Rice quarterbacks. And that's... 2021, uh, 2020, 2019. Yeah, no, 2018, whatever. Wiley Green got his first career start in 2018 because the backup quarterback, Evan Marshman, got hurt, if I'm remembering things correctly. Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever... Um, Whatever Rice is rolling on there, not get the quarterback injured checks. Um, the DM is just saying screw you guys and setting the the DC for that roll at uh, one over whatever the whatever Rice's roll was because the um, uh, 
this is apparently the most cursed position in sports is it, rice quarterback over the last four years. I'm like racking my brain and cause, cause you're like as close as we are to the situation, we're naturally going to have like an inflated, um, I don't want to call it a distortion, but like we'd be more, more, more readily apparent to kind of go with the ebbs and flows of it than anything else. But I'm like, I'm racking my sports brain. Um, and we're reaching like Cubs in the world series, like playoffs level of curse where it just like, it doesn't matter who it is, what year, what game, what is going on? Uh, like Jake Constantine, when he got hurt, what, uh, three weeks ago now against UTSA uh, was a non-contact injury. So like, it's, it's not even just like bad hits at the wrong times. It's just sheer dumb luck. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like in like 2004 when Alabama got every quarterback they had injured and was throwing walk-ons out there or like that one season, like seven or eight years ago, when Maryland had like seven quarterbacks tear an ACL in a three game span. Um, except imagine that happening repeatedly over the course of four seasons. I think that is the closest corollary. And yeah, we've done this a couple times now. Um, and it's just. Well, and the frustrating part, and like, I don't want to downplay the fact that it was probably tough for Constantine to come in cold, you know, given that I, I think you had reported this week that the, the starter reps in practice were as skewed towards Wiley Green as the number one as they've been for anybody uh, designated to be a starting quarterback all year. Um, and I don't want to, like, did not, like, downplay the, the difficulty of that situation for him. But also, like, Jake Constantine was not the problem on Saturday. Like, he was good. Yeah, I've officially, and I, it's sometimes, especially with this team, it's been hard to synthesize my kind of like post game column of what I'm going to write on and, and and I wrote it on Jake Constantine on on Sunday morning and my 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 path forward no one asked my opinion of, of what I should football should do to fix things um but maybe for better or worse they probably don't need me <laughs> tinkering too much but my 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 idea was let's just build the whole plane out of Jake Constantine like the, the I mean... running game is it's not working. Um, it nope. hasn't really worked this season. The, the only thing from week to week off the bench or starting that has pretty much been consistent the entire time has been Jake Constantine. Yeah, um, like in the aggregate, and, and he's got, the, you know, the most attempts of. Oh, well, actually, let's look at, look at it this way. Jake Constantine on the season, 67.7% completion percentage. Uh 806 yards, 8.4 yards in attempt, five touchdowns, two interceptions, 151.3 rating. And that's the, the like college passer rating type thing that has no like upper bound um, for context, like the. But like 120 plus ish is like pretty, pretty good to very good. Like, yeah, like, like 150 is pretty solid. Like the all time records are like uh, like Joe Burrow and two of in like 2018 and 19 is like around 200. It's like an elite, elite mark. If you're at a, if you're at above 150, you're like doing pretty well. Um, I can't like synthesize all the rape stats for you, but uh, Green and McCaffrey combined 58 completions on 99 attempts, which is seven fewer completions on three more attempts than Constantine by himself. 
for 625 total yards. So uh, a completion percentage like closer to 60 percent, you know, per completion, like six ish yards, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, a rating that's going to be somewhere in the like uh, around 110, maybe like. It, it's pretty clear who's been the best overall for Rice this season, as good as as Wiley was against UAB. And that's sort of the frustrating part is that, like, coming into this year, it was like, man, if Rice could just get a quarterback. And we thought that might be Luke McCaffrey. And in the first three quarters of the season, it looked like it might be Wiley Green. And uh, Constantine has obviously been the most consistent when he's played. But, like, on the whole the quarterback play has been pretty solid. Like, yeah, I the think that's shuffling be- the, it's maybe the unexpected part. We have, as, as college football enthusiasts have just kind of wanted a quarterback. I think Rice, we've seen cobble together quarterback play <laughs> between, between Wiley and Jake for the most part. Uh, it's been solid, solid to the point where if this was the Rice defense, we were expecting going into the season. And I'm not even like we were debating. I remember going into the season if this was going to be a top three unit in Conference USA. Like that's how relatively confident we were, at least top five. Uh, If this was a top five defense in Conference USA, you have this quarterback play. Uh, I was talking with somebody earlier. I think this is the best wide receiver core that they also have had under Mike Bloomgren. So. You put those pieces together, good quarterback play, a great wide receiver core, and a defense we think is very, very talented. Uh, and it just it adds up to being able to, on a good day, beat UAB. Uh, yeah. I think it doesn't add up to, on a bad day, losing to North Texas. And it shouldn't. Yeah, and th- um, this was the first game this year that I think we can confidently say – Rice ought to have won, and they didn't. Yeah. It was uh, just, I don't know. like, we, we've said this team has a lot of resilience, and they have a major ability to sort of make the right plays in the right moments. Uh, they are now up to, very hilariously, like, they are 12 of 33 combined on third downs over the last two games and nine of nine on fourth downs, <laughs> which is absurd. It it doesn't even make sense because we were watching it, it, it and just kind of as it progressed and just starting to keep count. Um, and it, it was just wild. And it, for them to keep the streak of Five for five last week, four for four this week on uh, on on fourth downs and not win. I. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one thing I will say, I think I'm very confident in at this point is that this defense misses to Braylon Carroll a lot um, because it's funny because they have several players along the defensive front that have at times looked really great. But then there are long stretches where they just the whole the front as a whole just seems to do a whole lot of nothing. Um, and I think just getting that one more consistent disruptive presence, the best one they have in Carroll, if he had been healthy this year, um, 
I think would make such a difference in the like consistency of this unit up front. But as it is, and, and that was the confusing thing because DeAndre Torrey is a, is a good running back, but I I was flummoxed. Uh, is that a good good rice word? Uh, yeah, in the there we second go. half when it there was a what was it like probably seven or eight six seven minutes left in the game and in North Texas is driving down uh, to what they were hoping would be the game game winning at least the go ahead score. Uh, they just had a couple plays where it was it was nothing fancy. It was handed to DeAndre Torrey up the middle and watch him get eight, and they did it, just did it like three or four times in a row. And I'm like, I. Yeah, that, that was something we have not seen this Rice defense do a lot over the last several, uh, you know, I don't know, three years or so. Like they've given up big runs at times, but rarely have they just gotten consistently gashed. And yeah, and it's the thing that doesn't make sense for me because you think like, I, I, you think about like on offense, there, it, it seems to be just a, a trend in in football. Where, you know, maybe, you know, look at, I'm not, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL has, has become all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, pa- uh, what, Patty Picks I saw earlier today. He's <laughs> just throwing interceptions like crazy. Like Patrick Mahomes is good at football. Uh, but to some degree, like. Yeah, he's not it, having a great season. Yeah, it's regressing and somebody's, the offense has been figured out maybe to some extent. And people are, st- like, I, I've seen that with with good offenses eventually, like the scheming can only go so far, right? Like they're going to get figured out, but good defenses, like they're supposed to be stickier. <laughs> and maybe that's just a fabrication of my mind. Um, but it, it feels like it ought to be similar. Well, it's but... that like, I think one thing that has sort of um, been borne out certainly in college football over time is that, you can scheme your way to great offense in college football pretty consistently. There's such a variety and the rules are skewed towards offense in such a way that like, if you have a really great play caller and players who consistently execute, like you can generate offense. Um, But on defense, you just kind of have to have the dudes, whether that comes in terms of like having superior athletes or having guys who have played a ton of football and always know where to be and stuff. So, like, offense can be a lot more coach-driven, whereas defense, like, you can scheme however you want. If you don't have the dudes, you don't have the dudes. And, yeah, they missed they missed Braylon Carroll, and, yeah, they missed Blaze Aldridge, but, like, they still have the dudes. And, and it's, it's the, juxtaposition, uh, the juxtaposition with last year that is so confusing because we saw this team lose half the defense last year. Like the secondary just didn't exist. They were rolling out yeah. guys named Miles McCord, who nobody had ever heard of. Uh, he was in the, the Rice preseason preview that we put together, just an FYI. But in general, <laughs> like was sixth or seventh on the depth chart. That's who they were starting. And they went and they shut out a good Marshall offense. Uh, that's, uh, and, and maybe it was just the right guys stayed healthy. Uh, but I find that hard to believe. Yeah. But the current state is we we, we thought this was going to be an upper half, upper tier defense in Conference USA. For whatever reason, 
it's not. Um, it's so it's probably good. It's I think I when I kind of pull up stats, it's somewhere in the middle, um, which kind of feels about right. I, I feel like they can be pretty opportunistic when they have to. Um, they have been able to make a couple of key stops when they needed to, and you know have been kind of fairly consistent on third and medium <laughs> not third and long but yeah have done a decent not like it, th- there's nothing that i think they're particularly not good at and nothing that they've been elite at they're just been okay and if that's the case then you need the offense to step up or something like <laughs> something has to change if you're gonna go on the road um well maybe not maybe rice is just better away from rice stadium until they get those renovations huh. and make it more uh, home team friendly. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. And honestly, they just. If I were to point at one thing, really, it's just the offensive line. Like they can't really run the ball at all. Um, and I don't think that's like I saw some plays on Saturday where the backs left something on the table. Um, but. In general, it starts with the offensive line. The pass protection has not been good. Um, When given time, Constantine has been uh, honestly better than we had any right to expect, I think. And Jake Bailey looks like the guy who, you know, when Rice signed him a couple years ago, people were like, oh, this is, you know, this guy's a big get from like a major, major program, one of the highest rated signees in Rice history. And he looks like that dude right now. Like, like Bailey is is showing out and showing that talent that he has. Um, and I didn't see his, his stats until like, I just didn't, I just didn't. Right. And then you're like, yeah, oh, when I went and checked it. I was like, Oh my God. Like he, yeah. oh, and he got put on the like PFF, put him on their like, like offensive team of the week. Like not yeah. the CUSA offensive team of the week, but like, whole country offensive team of the week. Like he was just like in grabs 143 yards and a touchdown. Just like clutch. Yeah. Um so like the dude is just the dude is just a playmaker. Um but yeah and and there was one person in the box uttered uttered, uttered Johnny football's name while we were watching Jake Constantine on, on yeah. Saturday. And I, I mean, that was slightly in jest, but uh, the protection uh, was subpar from what we would like it to be, I think. And credit to Constantine, the, some of the plays he made on third down and uh, two fourth down conversions on like fourth and long where he just heaved like 30, 40 yard bombs. Yeah. Um, he had to do because he had to escape uh, a rusher and throw off schedule. Um, he said after the game, it's just like backyard football. Like I was playing with my brothers. I'm like, okay, sure. But <laughs> that wasn't I mean, your brothers. Like um, he, like he had 8.1 yards in attempt, two touchdowns on 30 throws. Like he, he was flat out better than Austin Ani on Saturday in every single way. Oh, um, for sure. And feels so weird to be saying this and be like, man, can't can a Rice quarterback get some help out here? Um, but it's just the offense as a whole, like they have, that's been the frustrating part is that they've had moments this season where it just seemed, where it seems like everything is working. Like the offensive line is not elite, but they've had times where they, 
kind of got some motion and were able to spring the backs for, you know, four or five, six yards of pop, like just enough to sort of keep you on schedule. And then Constantine's playing well. The wide receivers are playing well. Uh, you know, Wiley Green's obviously had some great performances in, in the times he's been in. Um, so there have been times when you can see the proof of concept, like what we thought this offense could be in the best case scenario. And then other times it just it just clunks to a halt. And maybe if this were the rice defense of 2018 and 2019, then you could withstand those clunky moments and the flashes would be enough to win you a lot of games. Um, but they don't have that defense anymore. And the offense is, and, and honestly, it's sort of like at this point, like it's almost not fair to the players on this defense who have like carried the team over the last two years and it's like, okay, Just like shouldn't it, like shouldn't it be the offense's turn now? Like shouldn't it be on them to consistently put up like good performances? Um, and, and it's just not happening right now. Hey, I let let Constantine throw it forty five times this weekend against Charlotte. See what yeah, happens. Just let the man cook. Like, like, what's what's the worst thing that can happen? Rice and, and granted. Yes, some of this is skewed by sacks that get thrown in as runs, even though those are called passing plays. But, like, I guarantee it would not swing it that much. Rice threw it 34 times on Saturday for an average of 8 yards a play, and they ran it 46 times for an average of 2.1 yards per play. And, man, at some point you've just got to say, this is not working, and we have to do the thing that we're good at. Like, I know this team wants to be based in running the ball and controlling the clock and all that stuff. But at some point, you just have to say something is working and something is not. And we need to do the thing that's working. And I think you can. I, I, I think you can you can be a pass first team that runs well. Um, I think that's and you look at North Texas, uh, the kind of the the spread and that there's, you know, that entire tree has split into 100 different routes at this point. Um, but. What Latrell has done this year is he's like, I don't have the the playmakers at wide receiver that I used to. Uh, we're going to run the ball effectively, uh, but we're going to be, be able to spread around when we need to. That's what North Texas did, and they did really well. I think North North Texas, I think Rice could uh, get to a similar point where, hey, instead of the the onus of the offense falling on Jordan Myers and our Broussard, Put it on Jake Constantine. It's not 22 passes a game. It's 35 passes a game. And let him set up situations where uh, you can then run the ball um, instead of going yeah. the other way. Build it upside down. I don't know. Why not? Yeah, like, yeah, but my, my question at this point, why not try it? Right. Well, like, the run game is is all about numbers. Like, not to the same degree in college football, but when talent levels are relatively even generally running the football how good how good it turns out is always a number is always a numbers game if you're running against light boxes you're going to do better if you're running against heavy boxes with a lot of players in there you're not going to run it as well and you know what gets teams to lighten up the box and give you room to run when they respect that you're going to throw the ball when they think you're going to throw the ball and they have to devote resources to stopping the pass so throw until they start putting the resources out there to stop the passing game, and then there should be room for you to run it. It's kind of incredible that 
we've we've spent it more than a couple seconds of airtime on our podcast advocating that Rice turn into a downfield attacking passing offense. This is the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's not like the the you know Stanford offenses that Bloomberg came from as much as this they're built in this physicality and whatever. It's not like those weren't willing to throw the ball when they had the quarterback that could do it. Like, I mean, I don't know. Did Bloomberg become the offensive coordinator after Luck was gone? Uh, he would have crossed over the end of Luck at Stanford, I believe. Um, yeah. I think he was the offensive line coach. Uh, yeah, uh, I know he was while, there. While Luck, while Luck was there, I don't know if he had a year as the OC with Luck or not. Let me think. Uh, and through like, 2012. The point is, Jake Constantine is not... Oh, and Lux last year was 2011, so... Yeah. Like, anyway. Jake Constantine is not Andrew Luck. But it's clear that putting the ball in his hands is the best thing for this Rice offense. And if that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. And it it, it should never get to a point as a coaching staff where you're unwilling to do the thing your team is best at more because I don't know you just don't think that's how things should be done and I'm not saying that's how this is for this coaching staff but like something's got to give here and like there's one thing that's working and there's one thing that's not and I think that kind of means you need to do more of the thing that's working yeah I, that's kind of where I'm at we'll see I we it what it's probably worth at least mentioning in part that uh Javon Wolford, who has been the starting right tackle for Rice this entire season, um, is kind of nursing uh, a, a knee injury that's kind of been nagging. And he was kind of, I think he played a couple snaps on like uh, some jumbo and short yardage pass- packages uh, against uh, North Texas. But Derek Ferraro took took over the, uh, the right tackle job. So mm-hmm. uh, line adjustment there. Uh, I don't know. I. I talked to the O-line coach, Sanders Davis, uh, this afternoon. He said for the most part he was pretty happy uh, with how Ferraro played. Obviously, um, that the line as a, as a whole had their up-and-down moments, so that's probably fair. But uh, it's just one more piece of the puzzle that is not yeah. working out like I would like it to. And, like, I know that, I don't know, this offensive line has shuffled a lot and, like, they, you know, have had guys out, and I get that. But at the same time, it's not like they've just been decimated and are throwing out a lineup of, like, three true freshmen who aren't physically ready to play. Like, the guys they've had out there are guys who have been in this program for a long time and should, at least from a mental perspective, be ready to play. Um, So I don't know what's – I don't know what you do at this point with the offensive line. I'm not sure there is anything you can do at this point in the season. But, hey, you know what? makes an offensive lineman's job easier when you get in the shotgun and let the quarterback throw it a lot and let him do it real quickly and spread things out and get the ball out fast to guys in space because then they don't have to block very long. So I'm all in. We fixed it. Look, I'm not saying we need to turn (laughs) into an air raid team overnight, but I mean, this team can run mesh. I've seen them do it. Like, It it is perfectly acceptable to just hit the run mesh button like 14 times, like 15 times a game. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That play works. 
is the reason it's every in everybody's offense. Just uh, you know, start hitting that, start hitting the mesh button, start hitting the Y cross button, start hitting the four verts button, and I'm in like, hey, hey, Rice you're, has you're, run five wide. Uh, I'd have to go back and check, but I, I'd like to say at least at least once in every game this year. Or pretty uh, way close. more than they ever have in the past. And uh, hey, what do you know? The Rice passing game um, looks as good as it ever has, aside from when Mike Collins, the most physically talented quarterback they've had, was at the helm. So maybe keep doing that. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about let's stop talking about this game. I'm sad. All right. And so let's we'll, we'll pivot a little bit. Um, we were discussing, uh, we figured we had to touch on a little bit, but we, we didn't want to dwell too, too long, but we, we dwelled a decent amount. Uh, I want to hit real quick. Uh, we just have some breaking moves right when we hit recording. So we are going to dwell on our, I guess, Rice's current conference for the time being, because, uh, there was a, a, a report by Brett McMurphy. I guess he's with the action network now. I, I, I can't, yes. yeah. um, s- stating that, uh, FBS Independence Liberty, New Mexico State, and FCS members Jacksonville State and Sam Houston, in quotes, will likely, end quote, join Conference USA as all sports members, sources told the Action Network. Whew. So, yeah, um, that means as of current reports, if Western Kentucky, since we last talked, uh, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee are in conversations. I don't know what the official, we can't say it's happening, but it's happening ter- terms are. Uh, yeah. But there's been discussions between them and the MAC. Uh, so they could be oh. gone. So at this point, it could be uh, FIU, UTEP, and Louisiana Tech as the lone remaining Conference USA schools. Woo. Which now would add Liberty, New Mexico State, Jacksonville State, and Sam Houston. Uh, uh, you know, honestly, it's it's weird that the two of those that I look at and I'm like, oh, that makes sense and is a good move for Conference USA. It's the two FCS schools. I was actually kind of thinking the same. Because Jacksonville State and Sam Houston, I think, met in the FCS title game very recently. Obviously, Sam Houston just won that FCS championship in the in the weird spring season this year, didn't they? Um, But Jacksonville state is a really solid program. Obviously. So is Sam Houston. Um, They both make sense as candidates to move up to FBS for, uh, you know, a league that is looking for members. Uh, So I think that makes a lot of sense. New Mexico state is just kind of there. I guess uh, you needed someone and they were available and they're not UMass. So like, okay. Um, uh, we do not have it's a whole other podcast worth maybe a whole podcast series worth to talk about liberty um but all i'll say <laughs> is that there is a reason most conferences have kept them at arm's length there is uh i as a rice alum am deeply happy that my school is not going to be in any kind of conference you have uh conference affiliation with that school uh so I get it from CUSA. Like CUSA is desperate at this point. It's it's in any port in a storm kind of thing. And certainly Liberty has the capacity to be uh, more of a quality football program than anything else they have left. Hey, uh, they and Rice share wins at Protective Stadium. Huh. They have yeah. more wins at Protective Stadium than UAB, I believe. Those two combined? Is that right? 
That's weird. Oh, wait. Because um, UAB was off this weekend, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Um, but, yeah. Um, I mean, it... The, the the teams that are left, FIU, Louisiana Tech, and UTEP, have nowhere else to go. So I think this is as bare bones as they can get. Uh, geographically, uh, the only one of those three schools that has like a fit potentially anywhere else would be UTEP and the Mountain West. And I think the Mountain West at this point has made it pretty emphatically clear that they do not want UTEP. Um, so it's those three. And at that point, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The The American is making a bet that they can take programs that are committed to uh, their athletics and football and kind of build them into the next UCFs and Cincinnati's. Um, Mike Oresco on the, the AAC commissioner when Rice and, and the five additional, uh, I guess the CUA six, CUSA six were introduced, <laughs> uh, seemed pretty, pretty committed to that that model of, of discovering and, and, and building up those programs, I don't think. Well, clearly, Conference USA does not have the same broadcast and uh, visibility of the American. That's the, one of the reasons that literally every school left minus three is leaving Conference USA, I think, um, or at least part of it. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I, I think yeah. that there's the a best- reason, let's say that like. Certain CUSA schools might be mad at other schools for leaving and and like maybe, you know, there were spots open and some got, schools got them and some some schools didn't. And there are probably hurt feelings over that. But no one is sitting there and accusing each other of not being loyal to grand old CUSA. Like <laughs> there is a reason that everyone is leaping off this sinking ship. And grand now they are CUSA. now they are. uh so desperate to stay afloat that they are making uh, deals with a metaphorical devil for all of the irony that that statement holds with regard to certain schools and certain affiliations that they may or may not have. But um, yeah, uh, my reaction to this statement is just like, Ugh. and good for Jacksonville State and Sam Houston, I guess. I, like, I guess. I mean, if their goal was to be in FBS programs then or FBS conferences, then I guess they have it. I don't know that uh, they are not going to be regretting this move in a couple of years, but uh, they're they're moving up, I guess. So good for them. I wonder because I know there's there's the transition period right between FCS and FBS. I, I think it's it's still two years. Um if that's right, until you're yeah. you're considered a, a like a full fledged so. uh, FBS member, uh, I wonder how that goes into the equation because I know that Conference USA needs to get its membership back up. Um, I believe what I read was at least six schools to retain their NCAA basketball auto bid. Um, I wonder if it's like a FCS wins for uh, bowl eligibility. You only can count one. Like, do you only how many FCS programs? Do you get to count towards getting your uh, FBS uh, quantity needed to uh, maintain your basketball revenue and and what? Well, the ba- I mean, the basketball is just Division One as a whole, right? So right, that, that is they're, true. They're good on that front, so I guess that that's as much part of it as anything. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know what they're going to, I guess if there's a plan for these schools to like start their transitions like next year, and then once everything shuffles around in 2023, then you can have those schools as part of the conference and they'll be fully eligible for um, like bowls and, and the, the conference championship and such. But uh, do you, yeah. do you now need to rebrand? I'm, Cause I'm thinking now, uh, do you rebrand? Is it, is it the coastal conference now? Since you're uh, lowering everybody south right onto the Gulf of Mexico, uh, I mean, if if I guess, southern if if New Mexico State's uh, claiming like uh, what is the Gulf in between Baja California and the rest of Mexico, <laughs> like, like that is is that their coast? Like that's the I don't, I don't know. know why I can't remember what that body of water is called right now, but. Uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> but say, I, it's been a while since geography. I don't know, man. Uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm for one. Oh, it's the Gulf of California. Okay. Well, there we there, go. you know, we get really creative with some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess New Mexico State's like not. Eh, well, yeah. Hey, this land is right by Mexico, but we already have a Mexico. What should we call it? Uh. New Mexico. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I mean, good for Conference USA, I guess. I I will say this initial reports, I think last last week, maybe at this point uh, was that conversations were happening between Conference USA and Tarleton State. Oh, I heard about that. Uh, Yeah, it's good for Conference USA that they're not at Tarleton State And, and no offense to any diehard Tarleton State fans out there. But uh, I don't know. It's it's probably a better pick than New, New Mexico State's probably a, a more worthwhile conference member than Tarleton. And that's uh, I don't <laughs> think New Mexico State is did, and New Mexico State. They have like a decent basketball program at one point. Um, I honestly have no idea. The only yeah, thing I know about New Mexico uh, State was that one year, a couple years ago, when they went to a bowl game, and it was it was a, like a, a huge, enormous thing for them. Oh no! Here you go. Uh, NCAA tournament team eight of the past twelve years. Oh, okay. There New we Mexico go. Mexico State uh, won more than twenty games in nine consecutive seasons, minus the COVID year. Um, Good for them. So there you go. The 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 uh, exciting basketball rivalry between uh, <laughs> New Mexico State and FIU that we've all been hoping to see. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. Again, I'm just so, like, if you had asked me even six months ago what the most likely scenario was, if you told me, like, some sc- some USA schools were leaving for the AAC and some were leaving for the Sun Belt and some were leaving for the MAC and the whole thing was just disintegrating and, like, three of them would be left over jumping in a boat with Liberty and New Mexico State and some FCS teams, I would have cried myself all the way to the casino betting that one of those teams would have been Rice. So I am just sitting over here like, man, that stinks for you, but like, <laughs> sorry, bud. Anyway, bye. Yeah. And maybe this this will be our, we uh, we spent 30 minutes kind of bemoaning the state of the the current iteration of the Rice football team. And we can find solace in this, that at least we know that Rice will be going to the AC and uh, well, uh, undetermined, uh, cough, cough, 2023, 
um, more than likely. Yeah. And uh, we won't be left in the uh, you are required by conference rules to go travel to New Mexico State. Um, would much rather do the trip yeah, to no Navy. Way, no. I haven't done that yet, but I guess that'll be on the list. Um, that and I think Rice, Rice opens up at USC next year. Or is that the there year after? Go. Yeah. Yeah, it's USC next year. <laughs> there we go. And then we get our Mountain West flair. I know Boise State's on the schedule at some point. Uh, either way, but uh, New Mexico State, I I can almost guarantee guarantee you will not be. <laughs> I don't envision any home and homes between uh, Honestly, the Owls I'm and now, the Aggies. I'm now at this point pretty sad that uh, it's actually USC and not UCLA because then we could just say, yeah, I saw Rice play in the Rose Bowl and uh, no other questions need to be asked about <laughs> what the context of playing a game in the Rose Bowl was. But also I've heard that like the Rose Bowl itself like lives up to the hype in every single way. So, yeah, that might be a bucket list. We'll see. We'll get there. Um, yeah, we were going to talk some AAC stuff. Maybe we save that just in case we need it down the road. <laughs> um, yeah, I will have plenty of time to get there. Bryce um, plays Western Kentucky in two weeks. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was scrolling through, I think Bailey Zappi, was he named conference player of the week? Again, yes. Offensive player of the week. Yeah. Uh, with go. five total touchdowns, 393 yards and a win over, oh, Charlotte, who Rice plays uh, this coming weekend. Um, well, Jake, yeah. if, you, if you get five total touchdowns, you could probably be conference player of the week. <laughs> I mean, hey, put the ball in his hands and see what happens. I, I'm asking. <laughs> At this point, why not? Um, so, we'll see, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week after another uh, roll of the D20. Um, honestly, at this point, it feels like Rice is making death saving throws while we're going all the way out on our uh, on our metaphors here. So um, we'll we'll roll that one out more time. One more time. I hope it doesn't come up on a one um, and we'll be back next week to talk about it regardless. So we'll see y'all then and Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.